Welcome to Almost World Podcast. This is Almo Ador Jr., your host, and I have my friend Chigu Alfi. He's from Malaysia. Um, Chigu, can you uh, introduce yourself? Yes, hello, Almo Aldo Jr. I hope that I pronounce that correctly. My name is uh, Chigu Alfi, and I'm from Malaysia. I've been teaching English language and history for the past 26 years, and currently I'm writing a book. And I happened to stumble upon uh, Elmo's post, and we kind of uh, got ourselves uh, in conversations, and it was very interesting. And I'm very honored to be here tonight, today. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you told me you're writing a book, man. And it's uh, you say that it like um, covers and unites all of uh, the all forms of human knowledge, like philosophy, religion. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, thank you. Currently, the book is uh, underway. Uh, I've already given it a title, in fact. The title is uh, The Pathetic and the Divine. It's kind of a... Hello? Yeah. yeah, Uh, Still on? Yeah, I am. Yes, yes. The book is called The Pathetic and the Divine. The idea is pretty simple. It starts off from the view that um, in all of human history... In all of uh, in all of our understanding so far, mm-hmm. um, human beings are basically uh, pathetic creatures. Mm-hmm. Simply to say that we we don't know that much, and we have a lot of information and uh, signs and indication in us to, in the direction of you know finding out the truth or the true reality about life and existence. Mm-hmm. But yet again. Uh, in spite of being so insignificant in terms of size and our uh, uh, physical appearance in, in relation to the planet, the stars, galaxies, and the whole universe, we are pretty insignificant, uh, mostly insignificant. But then again, I found out that the only uh, rational and realistic way to to traverse and journey in this life is to feel to feel divine, to feel that you are related not just to your physical body, but the whole universe uh, in general. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the idea. Mm-hmm. That's why we are thinking that each of us are also divine. And I, in this book, I'm just trying to help uh, process the idea and share the idea. And I hope that perhaps it will be useful to uh of the readers in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about how you got into this idea of of man being this pathetic creature with our limited knowledge and how we try to understand uh, the, the reality, right? So how did you come about this mm-hmm. concept and uh, soon developed it and actually decided to write a book about it? Yes, thank you for asking that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very slow process. Uh, I st- started out um, being quite able in, in school, and I always passed my papers uh, quite quite easily, quite effortlessly. But then again, I did not excel in any area of my uh, involvement in any subjects, and I'm quite a jack of a, a jack of all trades. You know, the one that call it. <laughs> I was able to do many things, but again, I was not an expert in, in any specific area. So I became a teacher, and I I thought of myself, I thought of my life as just drifting through quite successfully without too much challenges. Of course, I made a lot of mistakes and bad choices, but somehow I made it through. I have a family now and have a career. But then again, it always dawned on me every night before I go to sleep and every morning when I wake up, the same questions keep coming to me. What's the meaning of life? Who am I? And who are these people? And why is it that we are alive and we are rewarded with such a wonderful, wonderful life, you know, physical experiences, emotional experiences. And also the, our imagination is almost limitless. We can be anywhere, anytime, you know, in the fabric of space and time. And it, it dawned on me that somehow I understand that existence is actually eternal, you know. Um, I incorporate a lot of ideas from many areas of life. 
my family is not that religious, but uh, I somehow uh, self-taught myself uh, a lot of things in religions because my family has been a Muslim uh, since the beginning, and uh, I learned to pray and read the Quran and the translations uh, basically all on my own without any specific teachings. And uh, and then I realized that the source of information may not necessarily come from one place. Uh, am I relating? Am I relating still to you? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep say talking, brother. You're speaking yeah. the truth. Yes. Uh, the true source of information about the true reality may not necessarily come from one place. You know, uh, being a believer on my life and perhaps indoctrinated and swayed and too deep-seated in many aspects of the fundamentals of being a believer, I, I realized that. I was also, I have also been very interested in uh, being open-minded, opening myself to all possible areas of thinking of psychologies and all that. And uh, I think I, I'm quite talented in the sense that I can imagine myself being someone else. I can imagine myself being an atheist. I can imagine myself being a Christian, being a Hindu. I can imagine myself being an agnostic and so on and so forth. And uh, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. It's, it's truly magical, actually. And I come to a point where I saw that information can come from my religious uh, scholars in the mosque, you know, in the madrasas and all, that, all the shares and all the books that I'm reading. And information can come from just listening to songs. Information can come from just watching people. Um, information can just come from, in fact, it can come from watching all the vile and terrible stuff that is happening. They're happening all over the world, oh, every, every day, day in, day out. Um, I, when I look at criminals, for example, when I look at prostitutes and and drug dealers and swindlers and all that, uh, those people who are, you know, convicted in a court and sent to prison and all that, I don't feel that kind of uh, being repelled from them, or I don't feel the repugnance towards all those crimes and evil things and that people do. I kind of get into a, a sense, a mode of understanding. I, 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 I found myself able to see the reasons and all the intricacies of the life experiences that has brought all these people to do all those wonderful things and all those terrible things. And uh, and finally, when I looked into science, there is science and there is also the new science. Um, the new science in which, um, for example, quantum physics and quantum entanglement and superpositions and, uh, you know, uh, hyperlocation and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's it's truly possible that one day science will be able to explain a lot of stuff, the physical and the non-physical, the seen and the invisible things. And uh, I kind of see everything comes in 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 place. All the pieces come into play. Everything is coherent. None of the things in this world is actually truly uh, inexplicable or cannot be understood. And and, and so it is, I, I found that the only useful way to traverse in life, to go on in life meaningfully and, and you know, fully aware, is the realization that we are actually eternal beings. Each individual can only live meaningfully if they can perceive of themselves as universally important. That none of us is actually put here in this life for no reason or randomly or haphazardly, you know, not, nothing is arbitrary. Nothing is like a waste. Everything carries uh, as deep a meaning as possible. And we can find it in the divine scriptures. We can find it in science. They all will come together. They all converge in a great coherence. And I think this is very, truly important, especially nowadays when human beings seems to have lot of information already and actually when you put all in place you know and look at all the landscape in one big picture everything will make sense and there is no reason for people to feel sad or you know to 
withdraw from life. Everything should engage in life as spirit as spirited and inspired as always. It's always elevated emotion. Everyone deserves to experience elevated emotions, you know, true happiness in their life. Whatever they do and wherever they are, wherever they are. That's basically the idea. Yeah, I completely agree, and you're right. You know, the the truth is out there, and um, it can come from anywhere else on this earth. And uh, what you said about like every individual should th- believe or know that they are universally important is so- is something really essential, and it's something that we cannot ignore. That's why we we all we all of us in our human society believe in human rights in human dignity and that every individual life matters this is something that um is actually a, a sort of like an intuitionist uh, uh like concept that 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 it arrives at us every at every moment and and we it's simply self-evident in fact and especially um in terms of like how we find beauty in even in the darkest situations, you know, and even in this these horrible times, uh, human hope, human love can still uh, surpass and can be seen through all of this. And what you said about um, that about the, the the your book about the pathetic and the divine, uh, can you uh, elaborate more on how on what foundations you you uh, you uh, rely on this, like for example, what premises you uh, you establish before you uh, can make your uh, conclusions? Precisely, yes, of course. Thank you for the question. Um, the thing is, when you look into philosophy, when you look into the the structure of uh, logical reasoning and rationality when you look into the logism and the premises uh, and in fact consider all the fallacies that man can make uh, in philosophy it does not offer an absolute and final answer to to many things to most things in fact and actually it is the same with science science is one of the greatest gifts for mankind that is uh, completely undeniable and uh, it has its principles and one of the most important uh, aspect about science and the science method in scientific thinking is that everything should be uh, measurable and testable and we should be able to control some factors or variables in order to produce the uh, hypothesized effects or cause and effects or, you know, to, to be able to come up with some uh, meaningful and, uh, and senseful established uh, understanding. Even though it is transitory, even though in science you can make 1,000 successful experiments, and this one experiment can make all your uh, scientific notion fall into pieces. Just one uh, one experiment that might not agree with the uh, parameters that has been established can put that notion in jeopardy, and that is the scientific spirit. It doesn't depend on established facts. It depends on the sustenance of established facts uh, insofar as the present time has allowed, and, and the search is always on. Like, science is very curious, but it, it 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 remains on physical evidence, and it remains on physical testability, you know, experimentability. And science is not interested in things it cannot study. If there's simply no um, no no standardized notions of a material or quantity or physical uh, representation of things, now science. It's not because it cannot answer it, but it's because it cannot test it. Because science cannot test something, science is not interested in trying to find answers to things which it can study. I think that's basically the idea. So philosophy 
and science, they provide you with means. They can point you in directions, but they don't give established facts. If you're a philosopher, you might be trained in asking uh, relevant questions, you know, poignant questions, uh, important questions, in order for you to advance in your philosophical thoughts and hypotheses and all that, in theories and all that. And uh, in science, in terms of physical science, that is as far as it can bring you to 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 lead you to physical uh, notions. And also, ultimately, I think it is safe to say that science will give you a lot of uh, extensive amounts of indications and signs about the true reality of the universe, of living and of existence. But, yes. And then, there was this uh, ancient notion that science and religion should should go against each other. Well, I'm not an expert in all the scriptures, in all revelations and, and all the divine religion, but uh, I have been a Muslim all my life, and uh, I'm only qualified to view the situation from the amount of information that I, uh, that I understand. And I understand the Quran, and I have always trained myself to... To, to put them side by side and see. And the thing is, uh, the Quran is not a scientific textbook. It's not a history textbook. It's not a book on economics or politics. It's not, uh, it's a divine revelation and it's, it's trying to cover all questions about all things. And the way to do that, because when you look at historical notions in the Quran, it 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 doesn't trap itself into a, a quagmire. For example, when it talks about uh, Moses and the uh, and the Exodus, when it talks about the creations of the heavens and the earth and the first human beings, uh, it doesn't give you specific dates. It doesn't give you, uh, you know, um, a kind of a a kind of a measurement device, but it gives you the historical notion. That was that's what it provides. And of course, we can argue that. Okay, some people might look and at a few things in the Quran, and then they say this conflicts, this is clashing with these uh, other scientific notions and established facts. Well, of course, we can do that. It, it's called exploration. But in so far as uh, the research, my own research that I'm doing. I look at revelations, and the most interesting thing is when you look at the Quran, it is actually telling you um, about the other religions. As you know, the Quran began its revelation when uh, Prophet Muhammad was 40, 41 years old, and it continued on for about 23 years, and that there's a specific period where it started and where it ends, and this happened in the 7th century. Uh, beginning from 571 AD to 6, I think it's 6, 6, 617 or somewhere there. Yes, specific day, 23 years of revelations, and it ended. And it puts the Quran at the, a very interesting spot, timeline of the human history, where it's able to account for the fact and all the revelations that has come before. It was revealed before the Quran itself was revealed. Then also it established the fact that Prophet Muhammad was the the last of the long line of prophets and divine revelations ended where when he ended his revelation, when he died and all that. And I sort of overlay that and compare that with all the history of mankind. And yeah, that's it. It it's able to describe all the religions. When I look at all the other religions, I can see the fact that they all came from one same single source. And throughout time, these, this uh, revelation had been uh, improved upon. It has been added on, and it's part of a natural human trait to be able to, you know, uh, improve on some things, and sometimes they... And the Quran claims that sometimes, because of this enthusiasm, they can just create new things, create new stuff to make them align with their with their own thinking and then they claim that this is God's revelation. The Quran in specific places in many areas in the Quran, it says that it claims that a woe to those who who concocted something and then they claim this is from from God. And this can be a religious debate, but I don't I'm not interested 
in taking that approach and bring it to the world to discuss with all of my readers who can come from all sorts of uh, all sorts of life, all races, all traditions, you know, uh, religions, other religions. So, so the 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 approach that I take is that. I bring this thought, and I bring everything. I bring the fine arts. I bring history, a well-established histories and facts, and I I bring uh, science and technology, and I bring all the everyday things like that we can find even until today. And I try to share with my audience that everything is connected. Nothing is random. Nothing is haphazard. Everything is telling you a one story, and and ultimately that's where you discover that. Each and everyone has, deserves to know that we are universally significant. I mean, I don't know no other junior. I don't know mm-hmm. you physically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yes. But then, when I think of you, I can only think of somebody who is universally significant. I have full, complete respect for this other person. You know, it helps me when I walk around and I meet strangers. I, I. I, I, I sort of able to look at them and recognize them as holy, a person who is holy, completely divine, even though they may appear pathetic and they might not understand so many other things. But this, the first impression is I approach the world with full respect, full admiration, and full compassion. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's what the book is on. <laughs> well, all I can yeah. say I'm to sorry you the, yeah, is you're, you're, you're a freaking genius, man. And um, you, uh, just hearing you spout all that truth, you know, and your understand understanding of what science is, what philosophy is, and what uh, religion uh, is able to tell us, uh, and and the, and the fact that you can you say that you are able to accumulate all forms of knowledge, and and I hope that um I, I mean, you're able to uh, give me a copy of your book someday <laughs> if you finish it. But um all I want to say is that um, yeah. um meeting you here is is really uh, awesome, and I uh I would love if you could also. Um, talk about um, what the topics or the, the specific points you will take or you present in your book, and I hope that um, you can also describe or uh, elaborate the what your your defense is or uh, stuff like that that supports it. Yes. Um, well, maybe I should tell you the second part. I think uh, the second or the third part of the book might have a lot of stuff that that will be controversial, yes? And um, one of the most interesting part in this book that I'm writing, that I'm excited about, about is that it's going to reveal a lot of mistakes and errors, you know? (laughs) And especially, now especially, if you think about it, uh, it'll be useful if it is self-reflective. And because I'm not an expert in all the other religions, I might know the fundamentals and the essentials about the religions, but I'm not the experts in them. I only know some people, I know from my general reading and all that. But my focus will be on where Islam and the Muslims have have blundered. They have made a lot of blunders and mistakes and errors. You know, in fact, even in the most sophisticated areas of religious uh, scholarship, even among the scholars, not to say that I don't pay them enough respect or sufficient recognition, no, but I'm just here to provide uh, an additional revelation or some kind of an an insightful and useful um, reflection. I would like to show that there are a lot of misunderstandings. For example, let's take Islam, right? Islam is the topic that I, that I, uh, that my book will will be is hinged upon. And in Islam, I think the Muslims world have only uh, translated fifty percent. Okay, only half about the treasures and the wisdom in Islam. I mean to say that Islam is such a perfect religion. And the question is, the basic question is, why aren't the Muslims so perfect? Why haven't the Muslim world united? You know, because they have this perfect revelation and this perfect uh, book, the perfect tradition of the of the perfect prophet and all that. Why aren't they uh, giving evidence of a, a 
governance and you know uh, in building nations in in social practices even in economics you know a lot of stuff that people don't know about Islam yes I I agree that um, if you dwell deeper into Islam then you get to know that and there's almost not an area of life that uh, it is not covered either by the, the revelations in the Quran or by the conveyance uh, of the tradition from the uh, Hadith Sahih or authentic Hadith or the livelihood of the Prophet and all that. But then again, even the Muslims are missing a lot of things. So that is what, that's one of the heavy burdens I'm carrying uh, in the book. And as you say, what being my well, there is no difference actually because I, the, the, the objective of the book is not to point to people's uh, mistakes. Basically, uh, for example, I don't try to criticize or Hinduism or the agnostics, atheism, even point out their strong points. I might even point out how how useful and relevant they are. Because the final judgment is not in the hands of men. That's, that's ultimately the established fact that I'm uh, depending upon. The final judgment, because science doesn't give you, philosophy doesn't give you, the history, history comes to you with, with interpretation, and history is according to those, the writers of the history. We all know that. So uh, beyond this subjectivity, quagmire, and this... Uh, the plethora of uh, you know opinions and standpoint. The world is not that shattered actually. They all come together, and I I don't I don't prepare my defense because I'm not attacking anyone. I'm revealing how uh, some things that are already there, things are already people can easily relate to. They can understand patterns, love, mercy, justice. Uh, equality and fairness and human rights and so on and so forth, even the rights of the flora and fauna, you know, even the sustenance of the planet and all that. So, so that's the thing. I, it might not be so much about defense, it's it more on a living a book that's going to, you know, hopefully it will be main useful for the benefits of the generations to come, that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess then uh, you say that you present uh, some criticisms, but not all, and you you might actually bring their strong points, right? For example, in Islam. But uh, in a way, I I want to know what your act, what new thing you're actually presenting. You're sort of uh uh presenting, I guess, a whole uh or a holistic view or a take on knowledge, uh especially uh, religious ones. And what is your goal here? What is the vision that you're trying to present to the world? Yes, I think you might be also talking about the uh, solutions or the conclusions that people benefit from the book towards the end. Uh, am, I, am I right? Uh, what is offering in the end? Is right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, now, as I told you, the book it is in process, and I've got all this thing uh, laid out in front of me, and I have to admit that I'm still in the process of uh, coming to terms with the conclusion of the book. The conclusion of the book is something that people need, but they can't seem to arrive at it. For example, what do we want? We want a, a world in peace and harmony. We want the world to, we want people to experience life. We want mutual respect. And that's not, that's, that's what we are not getting. The uh, people of the world are still viewing themselves as separate, as different, as me and you, one self and the other. And, and that's basically the reason. It doesn't matter how sweet you appear in front of people, but, you know, as one expert told me, like if you go to uh, a primary, an elementary school, you know, school with young kids, they can tell you instantly 
which teachers are in love them and which teachers actually don't like them. They can tell you almost immediately. All right? Because human beings were endowed with these special gifts, especially children, and the more innocent, they have some, some kind of feelers or antennas that, you know, goes out to feel and touch the world in ways that we as grown-ups have forgotten, have forgotten to do. And they can sense love and compassion. They can sense your, your, your sympathy and your empathy and how much you feel together, your love and compassion, that's it. And they can sense we don't like them. Now, people in this world, they still don't like each other. They still cannot find it in their hearts to have to give full respect and recognitions towards the others, simply because I'm a Muslim and you're a Christian, because I'm, I'm a nihilist and you are a, a perfectionist, and no stuff like that. You know, ultimately, hopefully, this book will uh, allow people to go into the land. Hey. Everyone pathetic, yet everyone is divine. Give full respect, trust the world, trust the other people. And of course, when they commit crimes, you know, as, as long as there are working uh, laws and regulations in the area, of course, you can go to the justice system and you can, you know, you know, uh, sentence people, sentence criminals to, to the crimes uh, that they, to the time that they need to serve and all the penalties, you know. But then again, in reality, in your truest sense as a person and the person, you have full respect, okay? You have full respect. I mean, meaning to say, when you look at other person, uh, you're not looking just at the physical body, your appearance, the face or the eyes or the language or the, the colors and the build and all that. It's one soul looking at another soul. And hopefully, this book will become a guide that will allow a lot of people to start a romantic cult, for example, you know, for lack of a better word, <laughs> to, for the people of the world to start uh, loving each other in ways that ne they never realize that they, they can, you know, they are capable of doing that. And hopefully a lot of, um, what do you call it, differences will be looked at as just differences. Meaning to say, if you have, if you want to debate on which religion is true, do it and bring it in a closed arena, you know, only for those who are interested in debating and looking at the facts and comparing them, but not in the open. Meaning to say, uh, for example, the Muslim world, let's take the Muslim world, for example, they will do the best kind of job as Muslim, you know, as in proselytizing and spreading the word of Islam, if they can show to the world the true examples, if they can become exemplary, that's it. Perhaps one day people can just look at a Muslim and then they go say, wow, look at that. And that's a Muslim. And that's, that's the coolest way to, to do it. And that's how you should live. And, you know, that will be the best preaching of the day. You know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily become, okay, let's look at facts and let's argue. No. So people will start to respect each other, and hopefully uh, people will become enlightened, and this will have impact upon their daily lives. When they wake up every morning feeling they trust the world, and that they have respect for themselves as well as others, and they can even trust the natural world, you know, how things work, and they become less fearful of, uh, of things that are unknown, and uh, yeah, that's it. So. Realizing that they are pathetic, they are divine, I think that is the perfect solution for th that the world needs today. Wow, that's awesome, awesome. Yes. Yeah, and um, <laughs> now that we've uh, discussed a sort of uh, the divine part of uh, us being humans, you know, we have this universal importance. I guess then uh, I want to ask if you, you believe in God as well, or what kind of, or what concept of God do you believe in? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for the question. I think that's one of the eternal questions that people have been asking throughout uh, centuries and millennia, in fact. And all right, uh, I, I guess the first thing that I can reflect upon uh, in this sense is that 
There is a verse in the Quran. I don't know if you know it, but most people who have studied a little bit, you know, and look around for specific and relevant information in areas of research that they are looking at. Um, if you look at Islam, if you ask the Muslims, for example, if you ask 10 Muslims, I think nine of them will give you this answer. The definition of God in, in Islam, that, that is the, the pillar, that is the core and the essence, yes. And the funny thing is, most people don't realize that in Islam, the definition is in the negative. Meaning to say, okay, now, now this relates to, to my own research, my own, uh, what do you call that, uh, indulgence upon the question, right? When I told you that you can, you, you can ask philosophy, but you, you, you won't get to the absolute answer. You can look at science, and science will give you the signs of the greatness of God, and this is from the Quran. The Quran says, uh, look at the signs of the greatness of God. The Quran says, uh, God says, if I may use the word Allah, in Islam, God is Allah. Allah is just the name. Allah says, don't ask of me of my essence, but look at the signs of my greatness. Now, this is the fundamental uh, principle. Don't, don't look for my essence, you know. Don't try to get a grip on my essence or not, who, who or what I am, but just look at the signs of my greatness. Now, this is crucial because this has been the guideline for most Muslims. That's why um, when people say, where is your God? They, 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 they don't know what to say because, you know, I haven't seen my God with my eyes. How do you expect to show you God with your eyes? You know, things like that. If you want to take it as in simple terms, but basically that's it. We, we, we cannot find the essence. We can only look at the signs of his greatness. That's one. But uh, it, it goes along with the, the verse, the first verse in the Quran. Basically, uh, this is verse 112. Uh, it's quite popular. It's a very short chapter. It contains only four lines. And it's uh, chapter 112, verse 1, verse 2, 4. It's very simple. It, and it's very short. It says, Kul wallahu ahad. Say, Say, O Muhammad, this in Revelation, say, O Muhammad, Allahu Ahad, that God is just one. God is just one. Yeah. And then he goes, verse 2, Allahu Samad. Allah is the God on whom everything depends. On whom everything depends. On, on which nothing can exist without depending upon God. Now, this is crucial because you can take this in philosophy, you can take this in science, all right? Uh, for example, in science, uh, as a Muslim, you believe that everything is created and Allah has erected the laws of nature. Everything is energy, and when the energy is focused, you get uh, a concentration of energy, and and then it creates in the fabric of space and time, it creates matter, it creates mass, and mass can disappear if you go in the speed of light. E equals mc squared. Sorry that, and then. Um, Everything is entangled. Everything is entangled. So everything is, is um, what do you call that, dependent upon the same thing. So verse 2, it says, Allah Samad. Allah is the God on whom everything depends. And the third, third verse, Lam Yalid wa Lam Yulad. He, he has no son and he is he's not begotten. Meaning to say, because he is singular, he doesn't have a parent, he doesn't have a tree, he doesn't have a, a wife or a partner or helper and no children and, and all that stuff. This is basically, it is in simple lines, verse number three. It says, Kul Say Allah is one, Allah is Allah is the God on whom everything depends. Lam Yalid. He has no son, he's not begotten. And it says, there's nothing in this world, in everything that you know, that to him comparable. There is nothing whatsoever in this world, in this universe that you know of, that to God is comparable. And then, and he is one. And the last line will, will go, and he's one. So this is a very cold, very chapter and basically 
you can bring it you can bring it everywhere you can bring it in philosophy in in psychology in even the finest art. you want to test it in the literature and in the finest arts you will come to the same result that this the uh, uh, chapter on which Muslims uh, lay the foundation of the uh, a divine belief and this is God so there is so people can come to you with uh, a lot of rubrics or maybe library philosophies you know in logic and rational reasoning and as long as they are looking for the essence as long as they argue to, to find out what is God to become to be able to see it and measure it and test upon it you know if we had been able to do that God would have discovered the first day the world was discovered, and there would be no unfolding of uh, human dramas, and you know, throughout the millennia. And yes, that's it. So, I believe in God, and this God, uh, where is He? For example, of course, there are some some lines of uh, authentic hadith, and also uh, discussions by the scholars. And one of the hadith says, "What?" Uh, Allah is closer to you than your jugular vein or the vein or the blood vein in your neck. So God is closer. And you don't have to shout. He is there before you even speak and, and stuff like that. So is that relevant as, as an answer? So, yeah. So yeah. my question would be is um, now that you have this uh, belief in God, But ultimately, though, what do you think yeah. is the purpose of why we are here? Why there is suffering? Why there is this problem of evil? Why does, did he have to create some sort of will? Or even this hu humans that, that interact with, with each other are able to love, hope, or even actually hate each other. What do you think are, is the purpose of this? Well, that's a very wonderful question, Almo. Is uh, you are familiar with uh, the many types of philosophies that we have? Yeah, yeah, For yeah. Example, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, and uh, there is one philosophy, the the nihilism, or example by Friedrich Nietzsche. Say he's a. Some people say he's a, a nihilist. Uh, nihilist. Frederick Nietzsche says, what is death? Yes, we have killed God. Yes? You remember that? Yeah, um, I think uh, Nietzsche, though, is uh, an existentialist, in my opinion. But I, a lot of people do in the modern age do see him as a nihilist, yeah. but that's not how I, how I see it. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Very well. Thank you. And yes, he is uh, the existential. It was uh, made popular by Albert Camus, if I'm not mistaken. In one of his novels, he, he wrote the novel The Stranger. And as an existential, uh, he, he killed a person. And yet, uh, in his philosophy, there was no need for him to, to act as if uh, it is known. And he, he, he continued on with his life without feeling remorse or guilt. And it was never discovered. And, you know... If you kill a person and then you're not discovered, it then doesn't mean anything as an existential, you know? And um, yes, for Friedrich Nietzsche, I think he's more, well, in my perspective, he's often talked of as, uh, as a nihilist. But the thing is, all the philosophies that we have, we can think of, that we have learned, we have discovered, they are all relevant in order to achieve the big picture. That's my idea. You know, you have to consider. For even for, for example, like, like in, in spirituality, uh, atheism is not useless. You know, it's, it's only a matter of the unfolding of the events in the world that we find some people are atheists. Some people, they, they, they just lack the belief As long as they, they are not convinced by the evidence, they cannot lie to themselves and bring themselves to believe that there is God if with all their mental and emotional capacity, psychological capacity, they cannot arrive at the conclusion that, that God exists. Well, they are atheists and you cannot kill them or you cannot say that they will go straight to hell. You know, that's the difference. In, in my view, 
that's why I'm writing this book because I don't find any any scholar colleagues to discuss such matters. It, it's quite difficult. And um, so the your question was, why are there so many things? All the things we want, all the things that we don't want. Why do evil exist? Why even Satan is let loose around the world? Well, let me tell you, everything is divine. Everything is divine. Everything is within God's power. You know, sometimes people say, how do you know you are powerful and able to hurt a person or kill a person, and yet you don't? And yet you don't. You know, in Islam, there, there, there's this thing they call 99 great names. Okay, 99 names of Allah. Uh, these are basically characteristics and traits, divine characteristics that are attributable to to Allah alone. To be able to 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 become omni, to say to acquire all those traits, 99 names. And one of the names is the most patient. The most patient. You know, you think about it. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are committing blasphemy, you know, are saying bad things and wrong things and slander and lies. Yeah, in, in my perspective, lies about God, and yet God does not, you know, put them to death or strike them with lightning in the instant. And, for example, you can take the Quran, you can burn the Quran, you can use the Quran to wipe your ass, for example, you know, just to, to show your repugnance and to show that you rebel. And that is not proof that, that God is not powerful enough to to hurt you back or, you know, to punish you because of that mistakes uh, in the instance. No. But the most powerful God would let you. Now, the two most prominent names of Allah says Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman is Allah whose love is widespread, unconditional, and He can give His uh, abundance and plentiful, uh, you know, plenties, plenty of things to whomever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. That is Rahman. When we say Ar-Rahim, now that is all the gifts and success and happiness and pleasures and comfort that Allah has given to those whom he truly loves because these people recognize him and worship him. So that's Rahim. But in terms of Rahman, he can give, you can become a criminal, a most successful uh, drug dealer like like Pablo Escobar, and you can still experience wealth and abundance and enjoyment. You can uh, indulge in all your lust and desires and you know, all the wildest things you can think of, and then you die. Yes, it's possible. And so when you exist forever, if that's the understanding you can get from your religion and from all your science and philosophy, that you exist forever, there is so uh, afterlife and there is justice. If Pablo Escobar, for example, he died without without getting any any uh, what do you call that reciprocity or punishment for all the crimes that he did, for all the lives that he took, and for all the oppressions and injustices that he uh, he, he instilled upon men, and yet he was not punished. And what does the Quran say? Uh, it says, uh, and God will not be unjust to you even in the amount of an atom. Even in the amount of an atom. So I think you have to view. Uh, the purpose of life, as the Quran says, it, is for God to test you. Now, it sounds casual, it sounds rather flippant and simplistic. You know, a test, why should he test us? He's God, he's able to give everybody everything that they want. He can give pleasure, he can feed all the hungry mouth in the world throughout uh, billions of years if he wants to, if he wants to. But is that is that how it's going to work? You know, you have to go back. To, to the drawing board. You have to go back to your philosophy. You have to go back to your logical and cause and effect. You know, you can go forward or backward, you know, in time. You can look all the variables. Or you can look all the drama, all the possibilities, all the all the possibilities that you can think of. And you will come to the conclusion that the world needs to run to traverse this way. Evil needs 
to exist. People need to suffer. If you go to a, a, a simpler uh, illustration example, what is eating? You eat, okay, people eat, but do you eat well? Do you enjoy yourself? What is the pleasure of eating? When the food tastes really nice, when you are really, really hungry, and the, the, the dish is served very well balanced, and all the ingredients are put just nicely in most perfect, uh, perfect uh, measurement, serve this way, and then you eat. And the pleasure is, you know, uh, you cannot, you cannot find this kind of pleasure. If you are deeply hungry, you will eat with deep pleasures. And for that pleasure, you need to, to be hungry. For you to taste the magical, the bewildering pleasure of drinking fresh water, you know, you have to be truly, truly thirsty. So uh, that's the thing. Some people call it duality. Some people call it, you know, well, that's just your thinking, but, but no, you can check on your philosophy, you can check on your logic, all right? Uh, it has, the world needs to traverse this way. And yeah, sometimes I think about it, why does God create Satan when he knows that Satan is going to go against him? Well, he's God. Uh, what is not understood by God? Evil is his creation, you know? Uh, suffering, um, pain is all his creations. So for the world to unfold, you know, this world, this universe is the statement, the divine statement of God. So when he express this statement of his divine power and mastery over things, he has the full uh, authority to say how it will unfold. And because of that, you know, some people... They say, why, uh, why do good, good people uh, suffer a lot of injustices? And it's the same way, why do... Uh, but in, at the same token, um, suffering is for everyone. Everyone can, can find difficulties in problems. In fact, you can run away from problems. If you have everything in this world, everything that you want, there will always be one more thing that you want. It will never be enough. So... So I think, so I think that's why we need to uh, open ourselves to these kinds of uh, thinking, to this kind of you know putting everything together and let you see that finally you get to say that oh, when I cry, before I cry, Allah cries. Before I feel hungry, Allah is the one is the creator of that hunger. And Allah knows what is hungry. He is the originator of the suffering of hunger. And he is hungry first before you are hungry. So the line is always there. You, you are never separated. No one is ever separated from God or from each other. Uh, so I hope that is uh, relevant, Elbow. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. And to ask you one last question, Jago, because I, I think we're almost uh, an hour now, and I want to ask you this question. And my, my question is... Um, yes. Uh, uh, to what vision do you have for this world? You know, it, it, it might seem messed up right now and probably take like 10 more centuries before we reach some sort of utopia. But in a way, what kind of world... Can we, uh, or what kind of actions can we take to make this world a better way in our own personal uh, steps? Thank you, Alvo. Um, I think if people spend more time, you know, looking at these things the way that perhaps I have suggested, and I'm not the only one doing this, and I think. This is a culture and a, and a in a genre that people are now looking at, and I hope it's relevant. And I think once you realize that you are pathetic and you are divine, right? Now people need to know this. Once you realize, that, then you understand the true value of the moments that you go through, of the things that you do. You know, not not a big thing. Like I'm a teacher, I'm trying to educate the young generation 
oh, that's such a big thing. <laughs> I, I cannot even measure that, right? Yeah, it's the thing, for example, like me, I'm a teacher. When I step, when I start walking into my classroom, right? Uh, I When I started walking, when I start to walk into my classroom, every step of the way is divine. Every step of the way is not random, is not meaningless, it's full of sense, it's full of meaning, it's full of life, and it's full of, and the eternity is there. Eternity is there. If you are a, a cleaner for a building or place, if, if your job is just to sweep the floor clean, right? When you sweep the floor clean, and then you understand that every swerve that you take with the broom, and every dust and particles that you lifted off the floor is meaningful, you know, it's not, it's not something insignificant. It's, uh, it's the unfolding of the universe that God is with you. And you, you, you don't have to brag about it. It's, it's, a pleasure, it's a pleasure that fulfills itself. When people start to do this, if you're running a big company, if you're president of a country, if you are a blogger who's producing a, a, a short program like what we're doing now, um, every moment that goes along, you know, every second that ticks and talks in the fabric of space and time, everything is meaningful. Everything is bringing you closer to the ultimate truth, to the realization and the completion of your story. And when more and more people start to do this, hopefully people will forget to hate. People will forget to to be suspicious. I'm not talking about being, you know, uh, carelessly suspicious. And, you know, when people come to you with a knife or a, or a pointed gun, you don't go and hug them, of course not. <laughs> but uh, I'm talking about the, the general day-to-day -day living that people, everyone goes through. When you look at your mother, when you look at your brother, it's like looking at them for the first time. When you when you are about to leave your house, when you pack up your bag, if you start to go to work or to your uh, college for lectures, and then when you say bye-bye to your mom, it's like saying goodbye for the last and final time. It's like you are not coming back to see your mother. Can you can you imagine that 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 feeling that elevated emotion, mm -hmm. the emotion that's so strong and so yes, and uh, when you come back to your house, as, as you start walking to your house, the house might be there, the house might not be there. You are completely you don't have any control over things. And when you arrive at the house and the house is there, and then you meet your father or meet your little brother, it's like you're meeting them for the first time. Can you imagine the, the joy and the elevated emotion that you can have at that time? So when people start to reach at this level, um, life will be like, like, like in heaven. Life will be like in heaven. When you're standing on the ground and then you feel your feet touching the ground and then you say that you stand in awe, amazing awe and bewilderment and amazement and gratefulness and, you know, just listen to the experts. This is what they want you to experience. And with this kind of understanding, you you don't go live. You go. You don't go through life the same way that you have before. Tonight, for example, tonight I'm on my way home. I'll be reaching my home, my house. It's not the first time. Maybe it's the one thousand or the thousand times. But as I reach my home and feel like I've reached there for the first time. Can you imagine the joy and elations that I'm experiencing? That I want people to share this. That's it. Awesome. And that's a great answer, my friend. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. And I really enjoyed this conversation, Chigu. And, um, wow, Emma, yes. <laughs> I, I'm the one who's honored. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I pretty much just uh, ask you questions, but to me, like I I love listening to my guests who are very very interesting, you know, from all around the world, and uh, you surprised me, man. Like, I didn't expect this wisdom to come from 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 you. It's really uh, amazing, you know. It's a, it's a 
awesome phenomenon where like um yeah such uh, even an individual who who you know like uh, for for me for instance i i i'm just young i, I don't uh, know much about the world but for me to be able to uh, connect with someone who's who's deep into this uh, philosophical uh, knowledge you know and uh, it's it's just something that i never expected in my life but yeah so thank you so much and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, goodbye man Yes, and I, I envy you. I envy you because you are given such a magical opportunity to be able to interact with people. And I'm just one people, and I'm grateful for this night. And I think um, this has been such a wonderful and divine appointment, That one of the appointments that I have. And you are divine, my friend. You are divine. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Bye, man. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Take care. And all the best. I'll be enjoying your show from now on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bye, dude. Yeah. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thank you.